Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. That's a great reminder. Aren't you glad he's alive? Mercy. If he was still in the grave, we wouldn't be here. That's a fact, is it not? Amen. Missions weekend is coming up. And trust you've uh, taken the time to sign up back there at the communication station. There will be a missions banquet on Saturday. Uh, That's the first Saturday of November. Brother Trawick from Honduras will be with us. Amen. We're looking forward to his ministry and uh, just challenging our hearts uh, that weekend. Praise the Lord. Tonight, service is at 6.30 and uh, pre-service prayer at 6 in the prayer room. We invite you to come. Praise the Lord. Today at the uh, conclusion of the sermon, Lord willing, we're going to partake, or you, you'll have the opportunity to partake in communion. Uh, aren't you thankful for the blood of Jesus? And so uh, we want you to be able to be here for that. Amen. We're looking forward to just celebrating the body and the blood of Christ. Amen. So for a few minutes here before we do that, let's go to the uh, New Testament book of Ephesians, a passage that Paul the Apostle Uh, pinned to the church at Ephesus, and uh, we'll read verses uh, 12 through 19 of chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 through 19, praise the Lord. Welcome uh, to stand in honor of the word of God and the God of the word. As we uh, make our way through this passage, praise the Lord. It's one of my favorite passages in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now... Somebody say there's been a transformation. It's a transition. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us or for the sake of this sermon, I want you to think of it this way. He hath bridged the chasm between us. Okay, same idea. Verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that ye that he might reconcile. Everybody say reconcile. reconcile. That's a key word. We're going to say it several times this morning. That he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have 
access, there's another good word for today, access by one spirit unto the Father. Verse 19, our final verse, now therefore ye are no more strangers or foreigners. In other words, the idea of distance. Everybody say distance. You're no longer at a distance, but now you're fellow citizens with the saints and of the household, a.k.a. family of God. Oh, somebody ought to raise your hands and say, thankful for the family of God. Father, thank you that we have been adopted into the family. Thank you that you have become the mediator. You have become the bridge. And Lord, we celebrate that this morning as we get ready to come around the table of communion. And Lord, may our hearts be refreshed, our spirits renewed and re-energized as we focus on you for a few moments this morning. In Christ's name, all God's children say amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to talk to you about the bridge that blood built. The bridge that blood built. A couple weeks ago, uh, we took uh, a Monday, uh, our family did, and traveled over into uh, Ashtabula County, other side of Cleveland, uh, to see the numerous covered bridges there. I had no idea. You guys hadn't showed me or told me about them. There's a lot of unique covered bridges over there. And uh, the one displayed on the screen is one we visited, had the opportunity to uh, take a few moments there and photograph. We actually visited a variety of bridges over there. We visited the nation's shortest one, uh, which is the West Liberty Street Bridge. It only spans 18 feet. That's quite a bridge. I, I w looked down there, and I mean, it was just over a creek that I told the boys, I said, you guys should probably jump that creek. I wasn't going to try. Andrew started down, and his feet slipped out from under him, and so we had a good laugh. But uh, <clears throat> then the one on the screen, uh, we went from the one that spanned just 18 feet. We, we went here to this, uh, it's called the Smolen Gulf Bridge. I understand they say it's the longest covered bridge in the U.S. Um, and uh, so I, I just was thinking about that, and I found that their details, their construction differs in so many different ways, from wooden to some have quite a bit of stone. Uh, others are fabricated of steel. But uh, really, how many know they all function basically the same way? And that is... They span a chasm. They make it possible for someone to pass from point A on one side to point B on the other side of the uh, chasm. I thought of the planning, the expense, and the great effort that went into many of their construction, but yet they all meet the one basic need. The bridge builders were motivated by a need, right? And I thought how this could be applied to 
our gospel ministry as a local church, how many know in our community there are people who are on the other side of the chasm of faith? It's called unbelief. The other side is called doubt. And how many know they need a bridge to cross over? And as a, a full gospel church, aren't you glad you're full gospel? You got any Pentecostals in here? Hallelujah. Uh, the, the task of a Pentecostal, full gospel church is directing people to the bridge, right? The only bridge that will take them from fear to faith, from time and into a glorious eternity. Now, one of the wonders of the natural world is a famous, it's just called Natural Bridge, there in Rockbridge County, Virginia. Notice it's on the screen. Tons of solid rock form this bridge over a creek that flows, I think they said, close to 215 feet below. And this massive, it is a massive masterpiece of God's bridge-building skill. And it has caused many to just stand in awe and recognize not only the heavens, but the earth also declares the glory of God. Right? And uh, this natural bridge varies in its width uh, from a 50 to 100 feet wide. It extends about 90 feet long. And uh, this bridge of nature was called by the fourth Chief Justice of the U.S., John Marshall, he called it, quote, God's greatest miracle in stone. I like that. History says the French engineers visited this bridge during the Revolutionary War, and they called it the work of our creator. They had to realize there was a God, and they believed he had created. One of them remarked, it's the most wonderful thing I've ever seen, and when you see it, you seem to hear angels sing. Well, this morning, I want us for a few minutes to reconsider one of God's bridges. It does not only make us feel near heaven, but how many know there's a bridge that actually lead us to heaven? That'll actually take us to the place where angels sing. Amen. I mean, this bridge of bridges, it's a bridge of bridges. Though unseen, it is really the essence of why we're here today. It is symbolized by the cross and the blood that was shed there. And it's called what Paul explains as the bridge of reconciliation. It is the only bridge to eternal life. Right? How many know the cross is the bridge to life? Oh, hallelujah. How many's crossed that bridge? Amen. Well, you ought to be a little happy about it. Praise God. That's what Paul was explaining to us. So, I'm going to share about three observations and then we'll conclude. Number one, observation number one. How many will agree bridges are costly? Hmm? 
Many modern bridges are awe-inspiring, but the amount of money needed to build them is also jaw-dropping. From the stunning Golden Gate Bridge situated in San Francisco to China's new state-of-the-art mega bridges, the architects show us the marvel of their talent and the ability to incorporate a lot of the new bridges have a lot of technology in their designs. It's amazing. That iconic Golden Gate Bridge was declared one of the wonders of the modern world by the American Society of Civil Engineers. And uh, its construction all the way back in 1937 cost $37 million, which equates today's dollars to $704 million. So how many know bridges cost? The George Washington Bridge spanning the Hudson River. Anybody ever traveled through that? Uh, it was built to ease the congestion of New York City. The bridge links Washington Heights in Manhattan to New Jersey. That bridge costs $1.1 billion. That's with a B. In Denmark, the Great Belt Fixed Link. Now, that's quite a name for a bridge. It costs $4.4 billion. It's the most expensive bridge ever built in Europe. It connects two Danish islands. It took more than a decade to build. You know, these feats of engineering, that's just, you know, I, I quoted some costs, some prices here, but how many know none of them outshine the bridge that was constructed by God on a hill called Calvary outside the city of Jerusalem over 2,000 years ago? I'm thankful for the bridge that God took the time to build and that God didn't care how much it was going to cost, even if it cost him his only begotten son, so that I and you can be reconciled. Praise God. Number one, bridges are costly. Number two, bridges save time. Today we spend a great deal of money to build bridges in order to save a few minutes, the Lackawanna Railroad Company built a $12 million bridge to save 20 minutes between New York and Buffalo. $12 million to save 20 minutes. How many know God's bridge of reconciliation was just not to save time? It was to save eternity. For those of us traveling from this world into the next... Praise God. Aren't you glad? You don't have to waste your time looking in all the other religions. There's only one bridge builder, and that was God the Father. And the bridge is Jesus, his son. Praise God. And this bridge would enable a sinful man to no longer waste their time searching for forgiveness, searching for peace, because it was provided in the bridge. Praise God. All right, here we are, my final point, observation number three. Not only do bridges cost money, not only do bridges save time, but here's the most important one. They save lives. Hello. Bridges make safe passage across dangerous and life-threatening conditions possible. When the water is too swift and too deep, that's when you need a bridge. 
When a canyon, when the canyon walls are too steep to navigate, a bridge is needed to cross the chasm and save a life. This is what God has done for us through Christ. Paul says the whole gospel is wrapped up in this word called reconciliation. It simply means to unite. It means to bring back into harmony. It means to cause us to be friendly again, those that have fallen out of fellowship. Reconciliation is what happens when a husband and a wife have been fighting. Huh? Arguing. Some say, we don't argue, we debate. Okay. When you guys have been debating... But somewhere along the way, hopefully, there comes a point where you reach a truce, right? And you become friends again. Whatever causes you to do so is a bridge of reconciliation. Hello? The bridge of reconciliation unites you because something had caused a chasm in your relationship. Such a bridge is usually built by one or the other, and they usually have to humble themselves, admit their guilt, and be willing to forgive, right? Often, how many has found out it's oftentimes the innocent party in the quarrel who takes the initiative to build the bridge and asks the guilty one to cross over and live in peace rather than pieces? Often the most innocent is the one who builds a bridge. And this was the case in the discord that separated God and man. Because how many know sin had dug out a chasm uh, between God and man? Sin put God and man at war. The offender was man. He was the guilty one of breaking the bond of unity by his disobedience. God, though, however, the innocent party right, in the conflict, humbled himself. He stooped down. Deity became dust. He built this bridge of reconciliation by which man could return to fellowship with the Father. God could have easily said, forget it. I'm going to build a wall of eternal separation. I'm glad he didn't build a wall. He built a bridge. An office in a large advertising company hangs a sign that says, Men are building too many walls and not enough bridges. Instead, walls are usually built to separate two or more entities, physically, mentally, even spiritually. They create barriers. But bridges, how many know bridges are the opposite of walls? Walls prevent access and communication as default. Bridges, though, create Access and communication is their default. Walls often leave us separated and unable to communicate, but bridges help us create partnerships and help us flourish. Bridges are built to join two or more entities and to create unity. They are built to overcome barriers of some kind. The term build a bridge, how many has ever used that? We need to build a bridge. It's used in our language to express the idea of, of a reunion or a uniting uh, we say we, we need to bridge a gap or uh, we need to bridge differences. See, God could have easily crushed man, ended the battle as total victor over his rebellious enemies, but he has no pleasure, the prophet says, in the death of the wicked. 
He gains no satisfaction in destroying his enemies, but in rather reconciling his enemies and making them friends again. And anybody can hate an enemy for life, right? But only godliness can make that enemy a friend. And therefore, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. See, Christ's cross, how many know the cross was successful? I don't care what the, 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 the people on the outside say. Listen, the cross was successful in building a bridge. And it's where God destroyed the works of the devil, built this indestructible bridge of reconciliation by which the world could return to the Father and the chasm which sin had dug between God and man was now bridged, allowing the prodigal to return to the Father's house and to the Father's love. What is surprising, though, is what Paul says. He says it was the world. That God was reconciling to cross. Everybody say the world. Now you look at that and, and you realize the world represents all who is opposed to God. So was the cross really effective in building a bridge of reconciliation? Because it appears that, how many know it appears that our world is still no friend of God? But this isn't one of the, one of the, great paradox of scripture Christ's atonement for sin was a complete victory Jesus said it is finished okay the cross was a success and God in Christ did build a bridge which reconciled the world to himself the fact is however that this bridge like any other bridge only has personal value as it is crossed. Hello? How many know an uncrossed bridge is no better than no bridge at all? And that is why the world is still unreconciled to God, even though God has reconciled it. It is reconciled in that the bridge is open. It's available. It's ready for traffic. And God requires nothing but that the sinner cross the bridge and receive Christ. It is unreconciled, though, in that man has not yet done so. And this is why Paul says the ministry of the church is the ministry of reconciliation. Because the primary task of our church is to tell the world, hey, there's a bridge over here. God has built a bridge by which you can be reunited and you can become citizens of heaven. They no longer, you don't have to be rebels running from God's wrath because the cross gives every person the potential to be a child of God. And as far as God is concerned, everybody is welcome to return and be forgiven and restored in fellowship. He built the bridge of reconciliation for a world of rebels and has sent ambassadors like you and I into this community to point them to the cross. Over here is the cross. Broadway Assembly, there's a cross on the corner of Cooper Foster Park Road in South Broadway. There's a bridge. God paid the cost. 
in getting that good news to the world. Hallelujah. That's the bridge that spans all space. How many know the way of the cross still leads home? Yeah. Yeah. In Rome, there's a bridge called the Bridge of St. Angelo. It, uh, for many years, crossed the Tiber River. They said on one day, uh, an event was being held some years ago, and uh, a crowd of people had crowded onto that bridge and was going across, and it collapsed. It killed 172 people. And I thought, looking back over history, many folks have perished because they put their trust in a bridge that eventually collapsed. Hmm? Yeah. But oh, aren't you thankful, Broadway? There is a bridge that the blood of Christ built that will never fail. I said it will never collapse because its foundation is the chief cornerstone. Huh? And he sacrificed himself. One of the greatest. Aren't you glad he was willing to sacrifice? We're going to take communion in a minute. But let me tell you something. One of the greatest examples of self-sacrifice in history, they say, it, occurred in the building of a bridge by Napoleon's army. They were surrounded on all sides by the enemy, and I believe at that point it was the Russians. I'm not positive, but if my, my recollection from history is right. And the Russians had destroyed all bridges. And the only hope was for some sort of makeshift bridge to be built in that cold and icy water so that the soldiers could make it across to the other side and avert being slaughtered. So he said, so history says Napoleon's soldiers, many of them self-sacrificing, they jumped in the icy water to hold up makeshift planks as a bridge so that their fellow troops could march across. And they said when those selfless soldiers were called to to exit the icy water, not a single man moved. They stood silent and motionless because they had frozen to death. As the others crossed on the bridge, they were supporting. History says that even Napoleon wept tears when he realized what they had done, sacrificed themselves. Listen, the price had to be paid if the rest of the army was to be saved. And just the same, the cross had to be endured if we were to be reconciled to God. Praise God. How many look around in our culture and know we're a nation that's divided? Right? We're divided over some things like race, social status, Religion and politics. Hello. 
But in a time like this, I'm thankful to know there's a bridge. Hmm? My personhood is not the bridge. When it comes to race, my whiteness is not the bridge. My gender is not the bridge. My good works is not the bridge. And my politics is not the bridge. The bridge is the blood of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Somebody ought to raise a hand and say thank you for that blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 1 Timothy 2.5 reads, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Isn't that a beautiful passage? A mediator is someone who attempts to bring competing parties or those who are disconnected or in disagreement into a place of common ground. A mediator is actually, in effect, a bridge. A bridge of communication. Relationships often get discontent because we can say one thing, but the other person, based on uh, who they are and their perspective and the way they were raised, how many know we can say something and yet they hear it a total different way? Somebody say, oh, well, that's what's going on with my spouse. I'm not getting involved in that. But I can say one thing. I can say one thing and it be translated into something totally different by the hearer as he processes it. But a mediator helps what I say get across to the other party the way I intended it. A mediator finds common ground. A mediator fights to bring both parties to a place of agreement again. And sometimes someone who is diametrically opposed based on the mediator's wisdom is able to make it to the other side of the bridge and find peace instead of pain. And Paul proclaims Christ is the one that can do that. He's the mediator who built the bridge between broken humanity and perfect divinity. And Christ is the bridge for those of us who could not get back to God on our own. And my friend, that is really good news. Some might say that's news you can use. Tell me, let me tell you something. God did not stoop down and build a bridge out of obligation. He stooped down and built a bridge out of love. Oh, hallelujah. He stretched himself across the great divide because he was passionate about you and me being restored to him. Now, don't get me wrong. Listen, friends, that's why we can come into this place of worship and say, thank you, Lord, for the bridge that the blood of Jesus built. That's why we can worship God passionately. Oh, don't tell me, Broadway, that passionate worship is not your style. Some of you have been in stadiums recently and you've shouted for a team that you've never met personally. But listen, you were probably giving high fives to complete strangers you would never meet outside the stadium. But it's funny, we come to the stadium. Oh, yeah, we can be excited, but come to the house of God. And listen, we got to stay docile and, and dignified. Wait just a minute. I'm not waiting on my favorite sport team to make a touchdown. I already know he made a touchdown on the cross 
I said he made a touchdown on the cross. And I'm going to take about five minutes here to say thank you, Jesus, for building a bridge. Somebody raise your hands and praise him. Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody praise him for just a couple more minutes. Somebody you cheer for Jesus right now. You go ahead. He's the bridge builder. I said go ahead. He's the bridge builder. He took us from sin to salvation. He took us from guilt to grace. He took us from mercy to darkness to light. Thank God he built a bridge. I feel the Holy Ghost, Timmy. I feel the Holy Ghost, man. Hallelujah. Praise him. I need to stay classy. I'm sorry. Sometimes I just wonder if we really understand how far God reached for some of us. How far he stretched himself across that span. Whether you know it or not, there was a great distance between you and God. There was a great distance between me and God. But now, thanks to Christ, the bridge builder, we've been brought near. I said we've been brought near. My son attended a game a few weeks ago, or I don't know, a few days ago. They were up in the nosebleed section. Huh? I said, could you see anything that far? Yeah. But I want you to think, if you got an invitation to draw near, why don't you come right down here? What do they call that line? Set right behind the, there you go, dugout, sorry. Yeah, that's getting close. Huh? I said, that's getting close. Hey, do you know something happened when Jesus died on the cross? That's much better than getting a seat at the dugout. Hello. He said when he died and the cross was built, that wall, that temple curtain was tore from top to Hallelujah. And he said, hey, all those that were trapped on the outside, come on into the throne room. Come on into the presence of God. You can draw near. I got I to gotta hurry, folks. We got to take communion. But I'm feeling good. Thank you, Jesus. Brother James, get your ushers. Come forward and get ready to serve us, if you will, please. But I want you to think for, with me a moment how a Jewish Jesus, I said a Jewish Jesus. Huh? He was not white like me. Huh? Many say he was olive skinned, but yet he saved a white American like me, 
Or can he, I mean, oh, he saved a white like you or a brown like you or a red like you or yellow like you. Why? Because the color isn't what matters in eternity. Except the color of the blood of Jesus. I said, that's the color that built a bridge. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody get that in your spirit right now as the ushers come. Paul said in Ephesians 4.13, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father, the Lord Jesus, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got family. Is that okay? you got family. And that's important because when you struggle, you need to know you don't struggle alone. I said, somebody say, you got, you got family. That's what the community of faith is. That's what the local church is. It's, it's your family. We fight for each other. We pray for each other. We believe with each other. Why? Because we've all crossed the same bridge. I said, we've all crossed the same bridge. It's the bridge that Christ's blood built. So whether you know it or not, God wants to talk to you. He wants a relationship with you. And he's intimately committed to every detail of your life. If he wasn't, he would not have built a bridge. Praise God. So in conclusion, let me tell you a little bit of something here about what sin will do if it's left unchecked. Number one, sin creates distance. Right? Adam and Eve, first in the garden. How many know there was no distance between them and God? God come down, walked in the cool of the day. But when sin entered the picture, God comes back and he says, <clears throat> Adam, where are you? Distance, right? Distance did not exist before sin. Distance did exist after sin. Secondly, not only did sin create distance, sin cultivates shame. How many has ever felt that uncomfortable feeling called shame when you know you've done something wrong? Three of us. Wow. Well, I don't know about you, but there are times when I've done things I knew dishonored the Lord. And that overwhelming sense of shame kicks in. Why? Because shame holds us hostage. Some of us have been held hostage. And because we feel like we can't get free, we just go ahead and keep doing the same thing because after all, I guess, you know, this, I guess this is just the way it's going to be. That's a lie. That's a lie. The enemy is holding your mind hostage. Listen to me, somebody, please. I'm closing. That's why the, the Bible says Christ gave himself a ransom. Somebody say ransom. That means here's this thing called sin and shame that holds us hostage. Guilt and condemnation wants to hold us hostage. But something, was re something has been done to remove the distance and eliminate the shame and to restore intimacy 
the ransom was paid and a bridge was built. And that bridge was the blood of Jesus. Let's stand together. For it reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. And oh, the blood that gives me strength from day to day. How many know it'll never lose its power? For it reaches to the And it flows to the lowest. I love you, Jesus. He's given me strength. Oh, hallelujah. As we sing it again, we invite you to come file to the middle aisles. Don't use the side aisles help the flow better if you can all go to the middle aisles. If you would like to partake as we celebrate the blood and the body of our Lord, as we remember and as we recall his sacrifice, as we celebrate the bridge that he built, 